This is My Rank Edges Busted, a podcast produced by Agriculture Victoria. I'm Gemma Pearl, and here we talk about all things climate and farming. In this episode, I talk to Agriculture Victoria's seasonal risk agronomist, Dale Gray, about the positive Indian Ocean Dipole. But first, we better explain some history of the Indian Ocean Dipole. Well, the existence of the Indian Ocean Dipole seemed to be discovered about the same time by both Japanese and American researchers. And they both saw some really interesting things that happened in 1994, which was a positive Indian Ocean Dipole. And particularly in Japan, that was a very hot year, an extremely hot year. And Toshio Yamagata from Japan, he was talking to a colleague of his, Gary Myers, who worked for CSIRO in Hobart, who had said that in Australia, that was an amazingly dry year. And it was, I remember it. Uh, It was also an El Nino, but it was exceptionally dry in 1994. And and Gary Myers thought that that the El Nino didn't explain everything that was going on uh, with that dryness. And then we had the uh, the people in America, they were looking at their sea surface temperature charts and they were noticing this really cold blob of water off Indonesia. And the Japanese researchers saw that as well. So this hypothesis that something was going on in the Indian Ocean suddenly developed from there. And they really struggled, particularly the Japanese and, and the Americans for that matter as well, really struggled to get their papers published on this topic. It was quite controversial. It was quite new. And the prevailing science at the time wasn't really in agreement with that. So this was in 1994. As time went on, in 1999, they finally got their their paper published, both the Americans and and the Japanese. And from then on, we we had uh, a number of other researchers who were looking at similar things and coming to similar conclusions that something was going on in the Indian Ocean. Uh, and as they say, the, well, the rest, is, uh, the rest is history. So what exactly is a positive IOD? So the way that scientists measure positive IODs is a, uh, a metric called the DMI index, the dipole mode index. And a positive Indian Ocean dipole is when the difference in the ocean, it's cooler off Sumatra and warmer off Africa. And when the DMI is greater than plus 0.4, so 0.6, 0.8, 1.2, plus 1.2, that would be deemed a positive IOD. If it's less than 0.4, it's neutral or negative. So our classic positive Indian Ocean dipole is, as we said, is cold off Indonesia and warmer off Africa. And, And like El Nino and La Nina, the positive Indian Ocean dipole is what we call a coupled ocean atmosphere phenomena. There's things going on underneath the ocean, there's things going on at the surface, and then there's things going on as a result of that ocean surface in the atmosphere above, both in terms of cloud patterns and pressure patterns, and then that affects wind patterns as well. So what we tend to see are much stronger easterly trade winds pushing warmer water over towards Africa and away from Indonesia. And so pooling up warm water there, we often have warmer water underneath the ocean as well in that region. And because we've got warmer ocean off the coast of Africa, we see more cloud formation and we see lower pressure. And the opposite of that around Sumatra up in that box of ocean off Indonesia is that cooler water has cooler water to depth, cooler water at the surface. 
we see this distinct footprint of a lack of cloud. It's like a big eye of a lack of cloud, very distinctively sitting directly over the top of the big eye of cold water. It's an amazingly distinct pattern when you look at the cloud pattern and the, the ocean temperature surface uh, pattern. They, they almost marry up uh, beautifully. So a lack of cloud in that area. And because of that, we see subsiding air. We see air coming down instead of going up. And because of that, we see higher pressure up in that region uh, as well. And as we said, the trade winds are blowing strongly away from Indonesia. And so, you know, moisture that might be feeding into Australia's northwest is actually being blown over to the other side, to Africa, which is what we see in the El Nino situation, where moisture that might be going on to Australia's northeast uh, is reversed and blown away, you know, over towards central Pacific, rather than being blown in closer to Australia. And in that respect, they're quite similar to our normal spring type El Ninos, because they would normally form over that autumn sort of period, be around for winter and, you know, maybe spring. And they're a phenomenon that's essentially affecting winter spring rainfall. And the positive IOD is, is no different in that regard. The Indian Ocean doesn't classically do the things we have come to expect from the Pacific Ocean. Dale discusses how this explains some of the weird things the Indian Ocean Dipole does. So the Indian Ocean, in terms of the way it sits in the world, is, is very different to the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean is just a massive amount of water. You've got South America on one side and Asia over on the other, and there's not a lot to the north or south. In the Indian Ocean, it's completely different. You have a massive amount of water in the southern half of the Indian Ocean between Africa and Australia, but in the northern half of the Indian Ocean, you have the massive Indian subcontinent and Asia and parts of the Middle East as well. And these, these land masses really strongly influence the winds in those areas. If we think about the southern part of the Indian Ocean, it behaves very much the same like the southern part of the Pacific Ocean. You've got much warmer water at the equator during our wintertime. There's much colder water down near Antarctica. And so you've got these southeasterly winds blowing up towards the equator uh, up there near Indonesia, near Java and Sumatra. In the northern hemisphere in our winter, because of that large landmass to the north, the winds behave completely differently. So in our wintertime, the landmass is much warmer than at the equator. And so the winds are blowing from the cooler water to the warmer areas, the uplift. And so you've got these southwesterly winds blowing in the northern part of the Indian Ocean, right across the Indian Ocean from the equator up towards the Asian landmass. But what happens, though, is that once we get to summer and the start and the onset of the wet season, perhaps even before summer, November, December, these winds completely flip around because now we have the Asian wintertime kicking in and their land mass is no longer as warm. It's actually cooler than the uh, water that's along the equator at the summertime. And now we get the wind completely reversed. So now the wind's blowing from the mainland into the equator and we've got these northeasterly winds blowing in uh, towards the equator across the whole Indian Ocean Basin. So this is a really critical thing because it's why the Indian Ocean Dipole never really continues on into the summertime because of this flip around 
uh, in the behavior of the winds along the equator due to the fact that things change because of the different temperatures in the land masses in Asia versus the temperature along the equator. The other thing that we have with the Indian Ocean is that it's because it's got more uh, land masses around, it is very prone to fluctuations in temperature at the whim of wind direction changes that happen. In the Pacific Ocean, nothing happens very quickly over there. We see some reversals of the trade winds in the Western Pacific occasionally, which can help kick off El Nino events. But essentially the trade winds blow from the east nearly all the time through the equator uh, in the Pacific Ocean. In the Indian Ocean, we seem to be able to get amazing changes in wind directions as a result of weather. And so we see that with both cyclones and large high pressures that situate themselves over Australia are able to very strongly change easterly wind directions in particular and accentuate them up there off Sumatra such that we see positive IODs forming as a result of those those strong wind changes. So if you're going to get that uh, accentuation of the trade winds, uh, what can cause that to happen? Two of the things that we know can cause that are, are cyclones in that area. In particular, there are some papers about cyclones forming in the Bay of Bengal off India, causing some uncharacteristically strong easterly wind there off Indonesia. And because of that pushing water away and the water, that's if it's colder than normal underneath, upwelling at the surface and forming that distinctive cold blob that we see off Indonesia. The other mechanism that I've, I've seen a number of times is when we have a big high pressure sitting over Australia. The centre of that high pressure is, is usually around the Great Australian Bight. And this, this pressure is a behemoth. It's way bigger than normal and it's it's influencing the tropics such that we start to see remembering highs spin around anti-clockwise and if you have a big high sitting over australia that top northwest corner starts to see some much stronger than normal easterly wind and that's an that's another mechanism for getting that ocean to uh, flip over and you know push some water away from the surface and get it to up well uh, cooler the other interesting mechanism we see, and we know this is the case because we often see uh, El Ninos and positive IODs occurring at the same time. 2015 was, was one of those events where in fact we did see we had an El Nino and, and we formed a, a positive IOD as well. And so we get those, those yeah, what we call the, you know, the double whammy ones. So what What's almost certain is that is that the Pacific Ocean is driving that influence in the Indian Ocean. Uh, you know, I often used to say that the Pacific Ocean is talking to the Indian Ocean, which of course is ridiculous. But in in fact, it it's not talking, but it's influencing it because there are a few little gaps in the islands called the Indonesian throughput where you've got gaps, and they're quite small. Um, but that join the Pacific Ocean to the Indian Ocean. And if the ocean has cooled off to the north of Australia as a result of an El Nino, for instance, that colder than normal water can be trickling through and blowing, not blowing, but trickling through into the Indian Ocean and, and sending colder water into that zone as well. 
it's an interesting thing because 15 years ago, if, if you wanted to start a fight in a bar between some climatologists, you would bring up the concept of the existence of an Indian Ocean dipole. It was, <laughs> it was quite controversial. There were the true believers that thought that that, that you know the initial climatologist people were onto something here this was a real phenomena and there were other people who just blatantly thought no this is really just it's just a manifestation of the pacific ocean getting through into the indian ocean what is interesting is that some 15 or years more onwards uh, we are still having those discussions that it's not altogether settled I know from my personal experience, at least, and I am not a climatologist, I have seen too many times that cool blob occurring up there off Indonesia, and it might only be for a month, but it might be for a lot longer, and it has the distinctive lack of cloud pattern over the top of it, uh, and it, and it's happening in the absence of anything going on uh, in the in the Pacific Ocean, or even something that occurred last year in the Pacific Ocean, it is simply because you've had that turnover of ocean because of some, and it's usually that high pressure pattern sitting over the bite where we've seen them form. This whole thing brings an issue though with the predictability of the Indian Ocean dipole positive. Uh, if it can if it can actually just appear in the space of a month's time because of a weather phenomena such as a big high pressure fear forming or a cyclone forming uh, it leads to the fact that the indian ocean dipole positive and negative for that matter doesn't have very good predictability it's not like el nino and la nina which don't suddenly happen you can see them building over a number of months before they happen which gives them some predictability whereas you know you know the best models in the world for predicting iod's you know it's about a month really uh, they can sometimes do them out better than that but there's numerous times the iod forms and then the models say oh there's one and it looks like it's going to be around for a while but they didn't predict it at the at the time so it's yeah it's, it's a much more difficult beast to beast to wrangle the iod just due to the nature of the fact that it can form relatively quickly the phenomena once it kicks into place tends to hang around for uh, anything you know they can hang around for less than a month uh, often the winter ones often hang around for sort of one two or three months the the large some well, some of the ones we've seen hang around for sort of longer than that uh, the 2019 one uh, in particular sort of even got right through into November and December which was terribly unusual um, and that was due to the really the the northern wet season completely failed up there in the northwest uh, there was nothing going on to help to break that uh, Indian Ocean system down such that it sort of just kept going and going on which was very uh, very weird indeed but normally we would see Indian Ocean dipole lasting for some sort of three months would probably be normal so they might take out your winter rainfall or they might take out the spring rainfall but no matter what it's looking up there once that northern wet season starts to kick in normally at the end of october start of november you very rapidly start to see whatever cloud and ocean signal was in the ocean in the indian ocean start to break down very quickly it is not uncommon to see double up years for climate drivers dale highlights some of the examples of positive iod year double ups well, the reality is that we, we have seen double up positive IODs uh, in the past. Um, 
and and the amazing thing is that we've seen triple ups as well. Now they're not very common. We certainly had a classic triple up of the IOD in uh, positive IOD in 1944. 45 and 46, uh, and I certainly wasn't around at that time, but that, those three positive IODs had a really major fingerprint on the World War II drought, which was around at that time. And you, uh, uh, 1946 was also an El Nino, but you kind of had, you said two, three positive IODs and an El Nino really combining there in those three years to make some very challenging seasons, particularly in, in Northern Victoria. What's interesting is that scientists go, uh, they go get their scuba diving gear on or maybe even just their snorkeling gear and they go up to the coral reefs off Indonesia uh, and they can take, a, take a, a section of a big brain coral and they can look at the growth rings of the coral because coral grows differently with hot and cold water. As, as, as the Indian Ocean Dipole changes that water up there. And so it's possible, to, this is called a proxy record. You can work out the history of the Indian Ocean Dipole uh, in that coral core um, by analysing the, the growth of the coral. And so that's taken us back to some sort of 300 years previous to where we, uh, from our instrumental record, so nearly almost doubling that. Um, and what we what we what that shows is that yeah triple iod positives have in fact happened in the past what's interesting is the one thing that coral record does show is that in the last sort of 20 30 years we've seen an atypical increase in the number of positive iod's compared to the historic record and i suppose that's what's been interesting as a person talking about climate is that the positive IOD for me seems to have been like a cracked record. I am very often talking about the fact that it's IOD positive like, or it is actually a positive IOD, uh, or the models are predicting one and there's a big slug of colder than normal water under depth that's, that's prone to being flipped over up there off Sumatra. It's, it's been an amazingly common feature uh, of the climate in the last kind of 25 years and goes in part to explaining many of the drier seasons that we've had, uh, even when we haven't had an El Nino at, at, at the same time or at all. It's um, the positive IOD has in fact been, uh, shown itself to be quite a strong climate driver sometimes at drying out our winter and springs, particularly in Victoria. So 1994, as we said, was a, a quite strong positive IOD. Our next one was in 1997. Then we had one in 2006. What was interesting was that we also had a weak one, flash in the pan one in 2005, uh, and another one that was sort of flash in the pan in 2007. And now both of those didn't go down as categorical uh, positive IOD years, but they turned up three years in the millennium drought and particularly for Northwestern uh, Victoria uh, were three very challenging years with pretty ordinary winters uh, in particular. Every time we had this pattern of colder water, those couple of years that were not quite normal, we had much colder water off Java rather than the island of Sumatra, which is why they didn't quite meet the criteria for proper positive IODs. But nonetheless, the pattern and the, the rainfall response uh, and the cloud pattern there was really quite uh, similar. Then we went to uh, 2012, uh, 2015, uh, we had a double whammy in 2018 and 2019. 
So they're our most our recent, most recent positive uh, IODs. We need to remember that a positive IOD does not guarantee a drought. The positive IOD is no different to any other climate driver in that has a positive IOD has not always equaled drought in Victoria. It's not always equaled drier conditions. But once again, it spins up the probability of it being drier historically to somewhere in the order of two thirds to three quarters of the time the spring rainfall has been uh, in the bottom third of records. Uh, and, and El Nino tends to do that in many respects as well. Or that tends to be only around sort of that 50% of the time as opposed to yeah, 60 to 75% of the time, particularly in Northern Victoria, the odds of it being drier in spring is much higher. But it doesn't dictate the fact that you can sometimes get the exact opposite happening and 1983 was a classic year for that. 1982 was one of the classic droughts in, in well, Australia, for that matter, but certainly in Victoria. And it was both uh, a positive IOD and an El Nino. In many parts of northern Victoria, that's our lowest winter spring rainfall year ever, 1982. And it was followed up with an absolute cracker of a season, 1983, which turned out to be a positive IOD as well. Now, satellite data is not that readily available to see what was going on, but clearly something happened in the, the ocean patterns there that didn't lead to the same response as, as we got in the previous year. I can only hypothesise that either the, the, the Pacific Ocean pattern may have been warmer in the Coral Sea, despite it being cooler off, off Indonesia, or perhaps we had some much better southern annular mode patterns going on in terms of more frequent frontal activity. But people who can remember that 1983 year, it, it, the, the season sort of broke quite well uh, in March even, and then it kind of, uh, it rained pretty much full on through there and, and particularly in parts of the Mallee was a really good good spring, really you know, quite out of the box and in the, the highest third of, third of records. Now, there's some interesting spatial things, the ways that the positive IOD affects uh, Victoria. And the first thing is that uh, our poor old cousins in East Gippsland, particularly from Orbost uh, to Gabo Island, um, that area there has not had a very strong correlation historically with the positive IOD. So it's roughly about a third, third, third. For every time there's been a positive IOD, the there's been just as many dry years as there's been normal years as been wet years. Now that's not to say that the positive IOD cannot affect Far East Gippsland. It certainly absolutely uh, can. And in a couple of the drier ones there, you've got uh, yeah, those 2018 and 19 ones, the, the most recent ones and 1982 and 1994 are the four drier or the driest positive IODs. Uh, they were affecting everywhere else in Victoria as well, for that matter. But there's just so many other years where it's been a normal rainfall and, and a few more of those ones that have been wetter uh, as well. 1983 was normal rainfall. Well, that was towards the wetter end in, in East Gippsland. The positive IOD is the best known killer of Northwest Cloudman activity, that, um, that cloud that we see sweeping in over broom coming from the Indian Ocean. Uh, the moisture perhaps having originated probably in the Pacific Ocean, but the cloud pattern clearly coming from 
the northwest of Australia, the, the positive IOD kills that out. And because you've got that kind of northwest cloud band activity going on, uh, and East Gippsland in particular is rain shadowed from that, they get to see perhaps a bit more of a normal pattern in some of those positive IOD years. They're not as strong and the effect doesn't get over the divide. And, and we see that for negative IOD uh, as well in East Gippsland, although the effect tends to go a little bit more further westwards, uh, even as far as sort of uh, Bairnsdale Lakes entrance uh, and or Boston further through um, to the uh, eastern uh, boundary of Victoria. One thing that scientists are working on is to understand the effect of climate change on the different climate drivers. The, the Indian Ocean as an ocean has warmed quite a lot in the last sort of 20 to 30 years. Uh, and the area that we've seen warming the most, uh, paradoxically for Australia, has been off the coast of Africa. That has been the area that is warming the most, which has kind of, well, I wouldn't use the word permanently, but there's, there's many times you look at a sea surface temperature chart and it's warmer than normal off the coast of Africa. It seems to be quite a perennial thing. And so, Exactly what's going on there is a bit hard to know, but it, it, it's certainly plausible that that's setting up the Indian Ocean to be more likely to go into a positive IOD phase rather than a negative phase, because it's part of the positive IOD is, is there much of the time over there in that western box. We greatly appreciate Dale spending time to talk to us in this episode. In the show notes, you can find more information and links to all things positive Indian Ocean Dipole. You can also get in contact with us at the.break at agriculture.vic.gov.au. Thank you for listening to My Rain Gauge is Busted. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria and the tribe. O-S-O-I-N-S-S-T's And what on earth is an IOD? Can someone please explain to me? Stay up to date, get the break. Oh, this bloke Dale, he's Richie Ditch. He knows about the subtropical ridge. The science comes in a secret code. But he knows about the southern annular mode. Well, this SST anomaly leads us to a decile of 1, 2, 3. The Nino 3 and Nino 3.4. Well, I've never heard of these terms before about SOINSSTs. And what on earth is an IOD? Can someone please explain to me? Stay up to date and get the break. Or keep your eyes out for Enso. Will it rain then? If so, when so? The farmers need you to be specific. What's happening out in the Pacific? Well, westerly wind bursts blow away. All our hopes of that rainy day. And will this year bring an El Nino? Come on, tell us, Dale. Because we have to know about SORs and SSDs. What on earth is an IOP? Can someone please explain to me? Stay up to date, get it right. SORs and SSDs. And what on earth is an IOP? Can 
someone please explain to me? Stay up to date, get the break.